What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 61 of the Triage Method podcast. This week, we're discussing posture, facts, and fallacies. That's a lovely title. We might deviate from those specifics, and that's absolutely fine. But first of all, Paddy, how are you this week? As per usual, I am absolutely fantastic. I got a lot of feedback on the last episode where I, I told everyone that you, you, know, you molested me in my sleep, and people were quite shocked. I also had five questions on Instagram because I've been counting about where is Paddy actually going on holidays because clearly people weren't actually listening in previous episodes, but now they're never going to know, you know, until they see pictures of you on your holidays, absolutely shredded at 3% body fat, loving your body. I, I don't do that stuff. Why? Why don't I do that stuff? Because I hate myself. Because you, you hate yourself? <laughs> No, I actually love myself. Well, there That's fine. Three, three, three 3% body fat is unrealistic. Five, maybe. Five, yeah. Five, yeah. Five, and then I think you'd, you'd probably love yourself a little bit more. You wouldn't be as lean. But anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about posture. So, why is this an important topic? Like, why is this even relevant? Why is this relevant? Why are we talking about posture? To be honest, I actually don't really know. Right? In, in my mind... Actually, no, there's, there's two dichotomous thoughts in my mind, right? And I'm going to put them out here because, to be honest, you're the one that's guiding this episode. You're the one that's talking about this, and I'm just here for the ride. So I'm going to put, I'm going to put, these, <laughs> I'm going to put these two thoughts out, and then we can discuss from there, right? Uh, firstly, I think posture is an extension or rather our views on posture is an extension of we'll call it like evolutionary biology right if you see someone stooped over you see them crouched over like that makes them look weak right that makes them look bad whatever whatever thing you want to say like they look weak right so if you have a group of people and one person in your group is internally rotated in this kind of almost fearful looking position, then you're not going to want to engage with that person in the group. You're not going to want that person in your group because it just attracts predators. Okay. Cause it looks like one person in the group is weak. It's the same reason people hate when people drag their feet. It just looks like someone in the group is weak. That attracts predators. Like you see it lions chasing down gazelles or whatever. Like if you see gazelles that are, like they go for the weak ones, they go for the old ones, they go for the young ones, they, they go for the injured ones. So if you're portraying that to the environment with your, your posture, it makes you look weak. It makes the rest of the people around you think that predators are going to attack. Okay. Now, that's just completely me using an evolutionary biology framework to look at that. That could be completely wrong. Right. That's just my thought process on that, first of all. Second of all, I think maybe as an extension of that, socio-culturally, whatever you want to call it, we have, I don't even know what you would say, put up certain, certain ideals as being ideals. You know, like, you know, you want to stand up straight with your shoulders back. Okay, like you want to, you want to look like you're almost in the military. You want to look like a strong, powerful individual who's tall. Again, that probably does come from, you know, evolution. Like you'll see this even like 
if you come across like a any kind of predator or whatever like they'll try they'll try to make themselves look big or sorry rather prey they'll try to make themselves look bigger in an attempt to scare off the predator right even like say like cobras do this like they literally like stand up tall and they puff out their fucking whatever slit things um like they do that right so we we know that from other animals so perhaps again it's an extension of that perhaps it's an evolutionary thing perhaps it is a, a socio-cultural thing right maybe either or right and then the final thing which i have just the most casual passing interest i wouldn't even say interest casual passing reading of some research that suggests that certain postures correlate with say like higher testosterone again i don't know if that is the posture itself you know or it is <laughs> is the the stuff that goes into making you stand up tall with your shoulders back or whatever right but you know people will do like you you're in this powerful stance with your your arms overhead they'll be like testosterone levels go up you know and it's like all right i like i don't have the depth of knowledge in that research or quite frankly, the, the care to dive deep into that research to find out the answers. But anyway, they're, they're my thoughts coming into this. So happily have them all destroyed, happily have them backed up, whatever you let rip. Cool. Yeah, no, and I think, I think that they're actually important points to kind of open with regardless of, like whether or not they're all totally correct or incorrect or whatever, wherever they are on that spectrum. I think it's interesting to come at it with that level of analysis to start off with, because there are things that people probably have never thought of because people generally just think of posture through this like binary, like strong, weak, good, bad perspective where like if you are in one position, it's because something is weak and something else is too strong and you need to even out the forces. And it's a really like just, the, the lens is solely focused on the biomechanics of it and if the biomechanics are bad you're in pain and if the biomechanics are good you're not in pain because that, that's like the general perspective and that's the stuff that we really want to dig into but i suppose like what i would take away from what you just said is that there, there are other influences going on here that that may either influence the posture that we hold um deliberately or you know unintentionally and, and also how we view those postures. So, you know, like you said, if you see someone walking on the street, they're dragging their feet, they're kind of hunched over, you're kind of like, you know, stand up, man, like get ready, like look at the world, like, you know, to be ready for whatever's gonna, gonna come, at, come at you or whatever. And I think that that is, that is something that I actually kind of agree with on a, a personal level in that like, I would, I would see it as being somewhat of a virtue to, you know, stand up straight and be confident and go into things in life with confidence like an, and posture might, might be part of that and i think that is that's, that's probably a separate discussion to what we really want to talk about today um but i suppose like it's important to to have that as your foundation to understand why we might have a certain bias towards particular postures versus others okay so you might look at someone and see them in the office like sitting up straight you know staring right at you and look at the person next to them who's slouched over kind of you know staring at their shoes and you might have interpretations there about those two people that go beyond just the biomechanics so i think that's an important point to bring up um to 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 inform where our biases might lie before we actually look at the specifics of you know is this posture good or bad from a pain perspective okay yeah and just on that like it is 
obviously a spectrum and in terms of both both sides of the spectrum because we're obviously saying like i think this crouched over posture is like weak or bad whatever but like i have we'll, we'll call it excessively good posture and like i always sit up really tall i always stand up really tall and as a result people always think that i'm really arrogant you know so just having good posture like you can have too good posture you know you're, you're standing up too too tall maybe it is because i'm also tall like people are like who the fuck does he think he is like trying to tower over us by standing taller or whatever but th- that I, I do want to make that distinction that there is obviously the spectrum like it is balance is what you want you know when you're mm-hmm. when you're discussing this when people well rather when people are discussing this they're talking about that kind of middling ground where you're not like if you can see me in the thing like you're not slouched over in your chair like they want to talk about like oh you're sitting up where like they don't want to talk about like this proper bolt upright like stand to attention <laughs> stand to attention uh uh whatever posture like they're they're, they're talking about uh, a relaxed, good posture, if that makes sense, you know? So obviously there is that, that, that spectrum there. Yeah, no, that's really, that is really important. And that's kind of like, that, that basically forms the basis of our, what our take-home points are going to be today, that there are no like good or bad postures and you have to consider what is appropriate for the context. Like another good example that would be related there would be if you were trying to have meaningful communication with someone, let's say in a, in a personal training or a healthcare context, context okay? Some people might respect you more in certain contexts, depending on what you're actually doing. If you're standing up straight and you're being the sort of leader, the authority, whereas a lot of the time, like in, let's say, more sensitive healthcare context, one of the things that works really well from a communication perspective is getting down to the person's level, you know, letting yourself slouch a little bit, lean in and talking to the person and getting down to their level and and showing them that you're not the big dominating authority figure. So this stuff is very much context specific because like while that's slouching you know leaning into the person posture might be appropriate in that communication setting it mightn't be appropriate for your let's say powerlifting client who you're speaking to and you want to get them to really listen and you know that they're you know they really respect authority and they like you to be their authority and not to present yourself as being like weak or submissive so this stuff is complicated it goes far beyond just the biomechanics but what we want to do now, right, is get into the discussion that is actually relevant when it comes to posture and that, that has made us want to talk about that. And that is the relationship between posture and pain. OK, because this is something that is assumed to be very clear and it is absolutely it is, you know, pervasive throughout personal training, throughout healthcare in general, physiotherapy. It is assumed that there are specific postures that we need to educate people on to be able to maintain okay and, and this is not this is not a straw man argument these are very well established okay if you there, there was a there was a survey in new zealand of a group of like over 500 physiotherapists and 94 percent of them agreed that education on posture and, and maintaining good upright standing and sitting posture 94% of them agreed that it was either considerably or very important as part of clinical practice. So to me, that's something that we really should have a, like a really good evidence base or, or theory even to support. Like we should be able to say that, all right, this is why this is important. Here's like step one. Here's what happens when people get into certain positions. We can see a very clear link between these and pain. And um, we can see this in a real life context where when people sit in certain positions in the workplace, 
very consistent evidence that this leads to pain and changing that like relieves pain but this just isn't the case like we, we don't have this evidence this is not based on a solid evidence base that you would expect for 94% of physiotherapists to agree that, to agree that it's really important. So that, so that to me like is a, a big problem. Okay. Like if we, if we start off with even like basic sitting posture, because I suppose from my perspective, that's the thing that people tend to worry about the most because essentially like ergonomics, which you can think of very simply as all that, all that stuff that people talk to you about, you know, at your desk where like you're, you have to be looking at a certain height, your keyboard has to be in a certain position you know you have to have a back support and you have to be sitting upright and you know you'll see those diagrams where there's a specific position you have to be in when you're sitting like that field of study is essentially known as ergonomics and it is based on seriously weak evidence and evidence that is lacking in a lot of places but that is a you know very lucrative industry in in terms of like people coming in and revamping whole companies and certain certain physios and doctors literally spent have spent their whole careers trying to figure out like how, how do we actually implement this and and lead to you know reductions in like workplace pain and disability. Um, one of those was like Professor Alf Nackamson. He he spent basically his whole career trying to figure out what the cause of back pain was. And when I look at people like him, I'm I, I find it really interesting because I'm like like this guy like spent literally his whole career trying to figure this out and then you just have like your average physio who just thinks that they can pinpoint every single reason and that's really, really simple and that we just fix posture and that's fine. It's just not the case, okay? In his case, in, in the case of like that Alf Lackamson, one of the things that they did like was did, they did loads of ergonomics interventions. So they went into like big, massive corporations like Volvo, redesigned the workplace in line with all these perfect ergonomic principles, assuming that if it was the case that we could change everyone's posture to be in the perfect positions when working and when, and when sitting and when standing, that you could essentially reduce, you know, the presence of back pain and musculoskeletal pain and disability in general. However, that just wasn't the case. It didn't work. It was totally underwhelming because it's just not that simple. And what they found was that the, the psychosocial variables that go into like working as, a, as a, a broader thing as opposed to just the mechanical acts of the work the psychosocial sort of variables that go into that were actually you know essentially stronger predictors of pain than these than solely just the the biomechanical position that someone is in when they're doing a specific task okay so so, so that that forms the basis of why this is really important and like that's all very much up in the air and we're kind of just giving a big picture perspective but if we zoom in on sitting posture itself okay what i want you to think about is like what a simple task sitting is like is sitting difficult patty depends <laughs> depends right maybe if you're like squatting down and you're sitting in a, in a in a in a squat pattern and you've got a school bag and you're back like maybe that's difficult but in in general it's not that hard to sit on a chair okay if you relax a little bit to the left on my left shoulder no big deal relax a little bit to the right on my right shoulder no big deal i sit up straight for a while i lean to one side i lean to the other right i'm moving around different positions it's just not difficult okay they're not particularly difficult tasks the the forces that are required by your muscles and joints to hold you in those positions are not high and you wouldn't expect that to be a, a particularly difficult task that someone wouldn't have the tolerance for okay now if you if you take like that like that is that is the first thing okay slouching 
in, in your seat is not particularly challenging. So like this, this idea that going into that position is going to lead to like, you know, disc herniation and, you know, disc degeneration and all these changes in the spine. The idea that, that that's just going to happen from sitting, like that's quite far fetched. And if humans were that fragile, we probably wouldn't be having people doing strength training very often because it would just be a really risky task, which it's not. Um, Forget strength training. You wouldn't have people doing any sports. Like yeah, nothing gym, moving. Gym, gym, gymnastics, <laughs> fuck, you'd be dust. Yeah, and that, and that's my biggest issue with this is that is like I I would want such strong evidence to be able to like put out all the information about posture that people do because it's such a minor like part of life that it makes you look so fragile if you are really concerned about your position that you're in when you're sitting. Like I would consider that to be you know a really fragile perspective of the human and quite pessimistic um but but to, to, to even take it to the like take it to the the physios who are saying this stuff like if you think about it right if slouching is so challenging and it's such a challenging position then isn't that totally like conflicting with the advice that we would give people in other in other contexts to load their bodies to try and build up strength because like if slouching is that difficult then is that not a strengthening task that the person then builds up tolerance to you know, um, like, like that, that's the difference between being a, a, a movement optimist, which is, you know, a term coined by Greg Lehman, a movement optimist or a movement pessimist. Like, are you the type of person that views the human as being adaptable to, to these different tasks? Or are you the type of person that views certain positions or activities as being just negative and harmful? Okay. And, and that, 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 that is really then where you start to look at the difference between a mechanical and a biological system, okay? Because this this is one of the biggest problems with looking at things purely through a, a the lens of, of mechanics or, or biomechanics. Because if you look at things solely in terms of like forces, then what you what you would view it as is 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 basically if you put a lot of forces on a system, over time that system starts to degenerate if the forces are exceeding the tolerance okay so it's just degenerating you're not actually adapting because you're not a biological system and you don't adapt to stressors so over time you basically just begin to degrade the system you know if you if it was like a shoelace for example you keep pulling and tugging at the shoelace you keep pulling and tugging at it over time and eventually when you apply enough forces that that begins to get weaker it begins to get weaker it begins to get weaker and eventually it snaps similar to something like an elastic band however in the case of a biological system, the human, that's not how we work. Okay, how we work as biological systems is if you're applying those those stressors over time that are exceeding the person's tolerance, then we adapt. Okay, so you adapt and you increase your level of tolerance and you gradually, you know, have a higher level of, of, of tolerance for these tasks. So that goes for exercise, that goes for being in a certain position in work. Like if you were if you were to go down and try and work in like the mines, let's say, and you had never worked in a mine, like your first day of work would be hell. You know, it'd be pretty damn tough. And you'd have guys or girls that were there for the last 10 or 20 years who turn around to you and say, yeah, you just get used to it, you know? And that, that, that to me is essentially where you start to, to apply this stuff. All right. So we're talking about such a low level thing as sitting. Okay. If we start to become pessimistic about the position we need to be in when we're sitting, then what does that say for our ability to get people to exercise, to load their bodies deliberately, to feel good about going climbing a mountain? Like if we're going to be pessimistic about sitting, I don't, I'm not very optimistic about, about the, our ability to get people moving and, and loading their bodies. Um, would you agree with that, Paddy? 
Yeah, hundred percent. And again, as you said, like it, it is that kind of distinction between looking at the human body in a mechanical sense and more of a, a biological sense. Because like the, like we know, like say like connective tissue um, and that kind of stuff. Like we know it has like shear thinning properties, and we know it has like thixotropic properties. It's like this this stuff actually gets stronger when you literally just use it. Like literally, say like a, I always get them confused. Tendons, yeah, tendons, not ligaments. Which one's muscle to bone? Tendon, tendons. Tendons, muscle, bone. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, tendon. Like you, you look at that and like you look at, say, like your patella tendon and you look at, like, say, doing like a leg extension. It's like this, when you, when you do that, when you extend your leg under load, people will be like, oh, sheer stress. But they're looking at that from a mechanical perspective. Whereas when you look at it from a biological perspective, it's like, yeah, like you can say that there's a, this sheer stress on the knee joint on this patella tendon here. And it's like, this, this is pretty bad. But it's like, what is that tendon actually doing when you contract the quad and you're like oh its properties are actually changing you know it's it's squeezing what's like squeezing those hydrogens out and as a result it's getting more compact and more strong essentially you know so you you have to be appropriate in what you were actually talking about in terms of like is the are you saying the body is a mechanical system or are you saying the body is a biological system because those two things are are not the same like this is i always think as well like we'll talk about like oh like we have to be aware of you know robots uh, the next you know they're they're going to come not only going to be are they going to take our jobs but they're going to you know throw us out of the world they're going to overtake the world i'm like you realize that like they they can't even run in a forest like they're, they're not able to they like there's there's no no chance they need to have this very defined state place because that that's how they a mechanical system has to be in a very rigid structure you know whereas a biological system it's like no we'll just adapt our bodies will change literally i can run in a forest my ankles will get stronger fucking climbing mountains my fingers will get stronger you know whereas a a, a mechanistic or a machine has to be built to purpose you know so it's like this this whole argument in my mind, when you talk about posture from the, the pain perspective is, is a bit misplaced in terms of if you can't, like you're saying, if you can't adapt to the simple task of sitting, then I have a, have a, you know, a whole world to sell you that, you know, you're, you're most certainly not adapted to like, I better hope there's no stairs in your workplace because if you, if you're, if you, if you're so brittle that sitting destroys you, Man, as soon as your knees go over your toes when you're trying to walk up that stairs, I'm expecting some sort of explosion in your knees, right? <laughs> you know? So, and oh, Jesus, don't even walk down the stairs. Oh, my God. Um, so, if we look at it from that perspective, like, it almost seems like the, the argument is, is pretty stupid, right? However, what I want to do is not just say that the argument is stupid and then be like, right, we're done with this. What I, what I want to do is ask you from the perspective of someone who works in an office, right? What, what should they, or rather, should they be concerned with anything? Should they be concerned with pain? And then also, not just like, what should they be concerned with? Maybe they're starting out in a career that has them sitting down all day. Um, what about the person that sits in an office all day and feels 
that their their upper back, their kind of thoracic spine or whatever is is a little bit tight, like tight, maybe a little bit of pain, you know? Talk to me from those two perspectives. Forget about the, the clinicians, the physios, like I, I don't, literally don't care about them. Like what, what about the individuals on, 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 the, on the street? Yeah, and and, that, and that's really important. Like you, you can probably hear like in the the previous segment, like a bit of almost a bit of frustration like creeping into my voice, and that that's not with the individuals that you're talking about. Like my like my frustration is more so from you know the the people who taught me this stuff in college, <laughs> the people, the the physios and the professionals and the educators who are who have been spouting all this stuff about posture without much of a good like rationale behind it to support it because like this is not about like my opinion versus someone else's. It's about like, like if, if there, if there's a certain consensus on something, then I'm a firm believer that we should be able to like, like lay out the knowledge steps that someone has to take to be able to get to that same level of understanding. Like, like that to me is, is, is what like science and knowledge sharing should be all, should all be about that. If you know something, Patty, that, you're able to tell me, oh yeah, you can actually know this too. You just take these steps and then, and then you'll actually understand this as well. And if that takes five years, that takes five years. But the problem with this posture stuff is that like all these messages that are literally ingrained within the physiotherapy profession, I actually can't come to understand them through a valid, um, a valid knowledge path because it hasn't been laid out. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of steps that have been jumped over so so that's the problem that's the frustration and and there's very little actual definition like if you ask one physiotherapist what's good posture and you ask another physiotherapist what's good posture like those things don't necessarily align you know so it's like okay well like how can we give these broad recommendations if we're not actually aiming at the same thing yeah, and most of the time it's based purely on like some aesthetic ideal, i.e. like standing in a straight line and things being symmetrical, as opposed to like any sort of like solid concrete concrete evidence for coming together and deciding on what is good posture. So so there you go. But at the level of the individual, I think this is a really important discussion because it's not just a case of like, like obviously pe- people experience real sensations, okay? One of the good examples of where this comes into play will be in, like people who have like chronic low back pain, right? People who have, who have had persistent pain for long periods of time in their lower back. Very often, when you look at them sitting, they will actually sit up with a totally rigid upright posture, and that's often reflected. That's often reflective of one potentially some idea of, about what good posture is, um, and two potentially because that 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 felt good for a couple of seconds, but eventually it starts to get even even more painful. And there's a degree of like a feed forward cycle of fear avoidance here where, where when someone starts to sit up in that position and um, because they think it's good, they've been told that it's good. And there's a certain degree of fear of moving out of that position because they might've been told that, Oh, if you flex your spine or you round your back, you're actually going to squirt your discs out like a jelly donut. You know, <laughs> like that's one of the analogies that people literally use um, that, that you're just going to have these herni- herniations and you're going to have back pain forever so that, that's what people are told and that's why you have this fear and that, that's why people end up in that in that position like trying to stay upright which isn't necessarily comfortable and and sometimes what you'll see is that by getting people to actually bend their back and to slouch a bit more it actually feels a bit better and that that's clearly like very understandable because slouching 
to slouch in your chair is easier than sitting up in your chair because sitting up in your chair requires more work. So again, like this is the issue with the definitions. Like you talked about, like, like what are we saying is the cause of pain here? Like, is it, is it because it's hard? Because if it's hard, then sitting up straight is harder. So, so there you go. But, but to get back to your point, like, okay, Gary, it's not, it's not necessarily the posture, but why is it that I am experiencing pain when I am sitting for prolonged periods of time? Okay. So, so this is where we differentiate the specific position that you're in when you're sitting from the fact that you are sitting <laughs> and inactive for long periods of time and not moving from that position. Okay. So, so they're, they're two different things. And this is the reason that definitions, like you said, are so important when it comes to this discussion, because people are having these experiences. And if I sit here and I was to stay in one position all day long, I would eventually experience some pain, okay? Whether it be my left leg going numb, my right leg going numb, left side of my lower back getting sore, like I will experience some pain. I know that from experience, but I, it's, not, it's not just the, the posture that I'm in that is the cause of that. It's the fact that number one, I'm sitting for long periods of time, okay? You know that like longer sitting times and inactivity in general aren't great for pain, okay? So that's the first thing is if possible, you should try and break up prolonged periods of sitting, whether that be to get up and go for a walk and to the coffee machine in your office or whatever, up and down the stairs. I don't know, it might be the case that you feel good if you do like a few stretches and get your joints into different ranges of motion throughout the day. It's totally fine if that feels good for you. Um, and then the next thing would be like when you are actually sitting, like one of the things that I do all the time is I just change my position all the time. So I don't, I don't view there, I don't, I don't view any one position as being good or bad. Like you could, you could come in to my room and I could be like totally like slouched down in the worst position, in the worst position, quote unquote possible. And you'd look at me and you think, is this guy like really like a physio? Is this, has he just been studying physio or is, or, or is this just some lazy git, you know? So, so I, I spend a lot of time in those slouch. It's actually both of those things. It's, it's both. You're, you're correct. But, uh, you know, I spend a lot of time like moving around, okay, being in different positions. You know, if I, if I lean to the left for a while, eventually my left shoulder will kind of get a little bit annoyed and my left glute will probably go numb. So I'll switch around and I'll go a little bit to the right for a while. Blah, blah, blah. You get the picture, okay? So that, like step one is breaking up sitting and trying not to be in, in a seated position for prolonged periods of time, keeping up your activity. Step two is changing positions when you are sitting. And sometimes that might actually be very relevant to your pain. So it's, it's not just the case that because posture, let's say, let's simplify it as like posture isn't important. Let's just simplify it as that for the moment. If we say posture isn't important, that doesn't mean that the advice to sit up straight is always bad because you know you can have cases where people have pain and certain positions modify their symptoms, okay? So that would be referred to something like advice related to symptom modification. So it could be the case that as an individual, when you slouch, you clearly have more pain when you slouch. And when you sit up straight, it feels better. So for you, at this point in time, getting spending more time in a position that isn't aggravating your symptoms might be a good idea. However, you would ideally then want to start getting into those positions that are aggravating it over time so that you can kind of show yourself and build self-efficacy in those positions so that that's going to be beneficial. So, so for me, they would be the different, the different levels um, of this analysis like in, in terms of like just looking at the person that is in the office, right? You're breaking up your activity. You're moving around when you are in the seat. And if there are positions that are more comfortable, feel free to choose the positions that are more comfortable. I don't care if they're upright or if they're slouched, if it's more comfortable, that's totally fine with me. And then the final step 
which I would hope you're already taking because you follow us, is that you actually are training, preparing the body elsewhere. Okay, so when you are, when you do have the opportunity, you are actually exercising and you are actually getting out and strengthening up your body. Because from my perspective, like if you have a body that is capable of tolerating loading in as many ways as possible in as many different contexts you know you're not just you're not just strong for a one rep max you're strong for a 20 rep max you had you're good at going out and running a 10k like i think having that that comprehensive like fitness ability is a good foundation now i'm not saying that that is going to lead to you not experiencing pain when you sit down sometimes as i said happens me it's fine it's not a big deal but i think that's a good base for everyone is to you know try and be a fit human and the other thing I would say is that um, coming back to our discussion from a few weeks ago is that like hurt doesn't equal harm. So if I do experience pain when I am in sitting, it doesn't mean that there's something out of place, misaligned, imbalanced, etc. It just means I'm having the experience of pain at this point in time. It doesn't mean it's going to last and it doesn't mean I've done anything wrong. And I think that's one of the most important things because what can happen is that people get these ideas into their heads that when they experience pain, they've put something out of place or they've damaged something that leads to that, that hypervigilance. So you're really vigilant about that now. Um, it leads to fear avoidance. So you're quite fearful of getting into positions that, that you felt that, that in, and that all leads to worse outcomes. So the more, positive you can kind of be about the experience of pain and, and sort of accepting it to some degree like obviously within reason um the better your outcomes are likely to be yeah Carl, i think most people as soon as they feel pain they just think it is catastrophic and they're, they're not yeah. they don't well they do obviously to an extent um but they don't realize that there are le levels to this pain and what i mean by that is you have to understand your pain. So going back to that kind of example of sitting down in the chair, someone in the office and they're going, oh, I got some pain in the lower back or maybe I got some pain in the, the upper back, the, the mid back, we'll say, right? And the fact that it's in such close proximity, like it feels like their spine, right? They obviously catastrophize it. But no doubt you have lay down on your bed and maybe you know you slouch onto one shoulder right or into, onto one elbow you know and you've sat there for a while maybe watching netflix or talking to your partner or, or whatever right and then you go to move and your shoulder is like oh like it feels very tight to kind of even just relax it down and it feels it feels painful right but you relax it down you kind of maybe move it around a little bit and then you get on with your day right you know maybe it's a, a little bit numb or something kind of feels a little bit painful for the next five minutes or something right you, you, you just forget about it. You go, yeah, it's, it's no big deal. Like, obviously, it was because I was like this. I was literally slouched into that shoulder, putting pressure down. This muscle was kind of tightened. Yeah, it feels a little bit tight. But as soon as you do the exact same thing or, you know, do the exact same thing but opposite and, like, stretch out one of your muscles to, like, its end range of motion by, like, completely slouching down, you're typing away on the keyboard, and then you go to sit up and you're like, oh, my back. Oh, this feels very tight. It feels very sore. Actually, I remember that time. I actually think I'm after blowing out one of my discs. Um, <laughs> you know, so like people experience it and obviously the experience of that pain has to be correctly stratified. I don't know what you would say. Like it has to be correctly identified. Like, cause obviously, and this is what like, even when we talk to our clients and stuff, it can sound like, or even when we talk in general on the podcast or whatever, it can sound like we're almost saying 
just forget about the pain, just ignore it, right? Which, to an extent, that is what we're saying, right? Like, like that is the yeah, almost, right? But there are certain instances when you are in pain because there is an actual issue, right? So, like that, that obviously has to be addressed. Like, like I know a lot of people that, like, say I've helped that are like older individuals, like relatives or you know my my friend's mother or whatever, and they will have pain and they'll be like, oh, it's kind of like sciatic pain. And I remember one time I was talking to uh, like this older relative and like they literally had a broken hip, like their hip was actually broken and they were just kind of like, yeah, my, my back is just a little bit, bit painful. It kind of hurts to move like this. And they were kind of just getting on with their life. Right. But they did actually have a broken hip that needed to be treated. Right. <laughs> so like, we're not saying just, completely ignore the pain and go like, ah, fuck it. Like I broke my spine. I broke this, my just, elbow. Or just my take it away. Just literally rub a dock leaf in it. It'll be fucking grand. And <laughs> um, like, that's obviously not what we're saying. Right. No. So you, you have to stratify and actually identify the pain, which obviously as an individual, if you don't have the, the, the medical or clinical experience or whatever, and um, it can be really hard to do. And as soon as you feel the pain and you know, somewhere in the back of your head you're kind of thinking like i know you can blow out your disc like you you know you can blow out your disc and you're like i don't really know what that feels like but i presume it feels like this <laughs> you know so it, it is obviously a hard line to kind of walk across because you you obviously don't want to ignore pain completely but you also don't want to be a slave to pain so you do have to kind of bridge that gap and go okay let's not get overly emotional i suppose is the word overly emotional with this pain this experience and let me see if it is actually a, 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 an issue or a a symptom of a larger issue you know like if it goes away within a minute or two you move around you're like okay cool maybe it was just the, the position that i was in and maybe I shouldn't sit for three hours straight in this exact same position, you know? And um, maybe it is like you, you actually have, well, well, and hopefully we'll get onto this now in a second, uh, some weakness in some areas that does actually put you into, or have you left in a position that then causes you to be in pain, right? Like perhaps there is weakness there, right? Again, that's not me saying that that is always the, the cause. That's me saying that, you know, that is a potential thing that could be there. But again, you have to be able to, to stratify this. And then again, obviously, it could be the case that, okay, I did actually, I, I fell. I remember last week I fell and I jolted my body. And now I've been in pain ever since every time I go into this kind of flexed position, you know, and I've been trying to kind of semi-ignore it, but I, but I am getting pain. Like in my mind, that would be then time to kind of, go talk to someone about it because maybe there is a deeper, deeper issue. So maybe we talk to those kind of two things, Gary, this, this idea of muscular weakness in certain areas, then contributing to poor posture. Uh, and then maybe we talk to like, just as a, an extension of that, talk to the experience of pain in certain postures after an event of some kind. You know, like maybe, I don't know, you got rear-ended or something and you got a little bit of whiplash. And then after that, 
in response to like a poor posture, you are feeling pain. So maybe we talk to those kind of two things. Yeah. So I suppose firstly, like with the, the whole like muscular weakness thing, um, it is a bit of a, a, a murky one because basically like this, this whole idea of like, like weakness equaling pain is like not, it's, it, it's come from the, from the, the idea that right strength training and resistance training, it does tend to lead to improvements in pain and reductions in injury risk. However, that that is not a bad like that's something we say all the time but that's not a valid reason to then say that weakness equals pain because very clearly there's not a threshold level of strength that a muscle needs to be able to produce for it to be like no longer in pain like if that was the case then we would just see this really nice relationship with muscular strength where as you get stronger you experience less pain whereas at the bottom all the weak people they're in loads of pain like that. that's clearly not how this works so the idea that you have a weak muscle and that is like causing you to be stuck in a certain posture. Like I don't really see the evidence for that. And I generally wouldn't be, I wouldn't adhere to that idea myself. Like the idea that for example, the reason you have slouched shoulders is because your rhomboids or your lower traps are unable to produce sufficient force to keep you in an upright position. Because at the end of the day, what you often see with people is that if they actually were to consciously try and sit up straight and hold that position, they absolutely have the strength to, to do it, okay? It could, it's just that for whatever reason, they're not doing it regularly, and that could be something that is mood-related. It could be related to confidence. It could be related to the position that is most comfortable for them all of the time. And very often what you'll see is that people want to fix these things but because they've been told that they're problems, okay? And, and, and like that, that's something that happens all the time. Like People will come and they'll say, Oh yeah, I want to fix. I want to fix my my posture. Like I feel a bit slouched. And you look at them, and you're like, yeah, like you're, like you're not exactly standing up like a, mi a military sergeant. But like, why do you think this is a problem? Like, why is this a problem in the first place? Um, and then they'll say, oh yeah, you know, like posture is really important. Like my chest is obviously just tight because my pecs are too strong from bench pressing. And it's like, this, it's it's not, it's just not that simple. So this idea that like muscular weakness or muscular tightness equals pain or equals a certain posture i think that is like based on very loose reasoning and um, that often doesn't apply now that doesn't mean it's totally irrelevant because like what you what you can have happen um in some cases is where someone does not have sufficient strength for them to be able to do a particular task comfortably like we talked about a few episodes ago where we were talking about the hip flexors for example when people they go and they exercise um, like very intensely, like sprints, let's say, they've never strengthened their hip flexors. And after, their hip flexors are so sore and tight, okay? They just feel like they're just cramping up there in so much pain. You've got that delayed onset muscle soreness. And then you've got that perceived, you know, tightness, lots of soreness um, in that area. And that might change the way that you stand. But we wouldn't conclude that it is the muscular weakness in that case. We would conclude that it is the, the end result of you I guess you could say overloading, overloading those muscles within that context because you weren't prepared for it. Okay. And you know, the same thing will happen. Like if you go and you do a run up a mountain and your calves um, after that run and your ankles in general will feel pretty sore and tight. And that's normal because you pushed yourself beyond uh, what you were used to. And again, you might see a deficit in range of motion uh, at the, as a result of that. And you'll feel a little bit stiffer. So again, these are normal things that, that tend to take place. Like the same applies to the bench press. If you were to do loads of sets of bench press afterwards, your chest might feel really tight 
and you might even feel like stretching out and opening up because your chest is just sore to do that. So again, these things can definitely affect your posture and the position that you're in. However, it's very often an indirect as opposed to being causal. So there's an issue there when people conclude that like, <clears throat> like the, the mechanism by which strength training reduces pain is purely the strength because that just doesn't seem to be the case. And, and a lot of the, the effects of resistance training on pain could be related to like psychological factors if you want to like split them up. Like for example, if someone does a a shoulder a shoulder exercise program for a number of weeks, then that might give them, you know, the self-efficacy that they require to be able to go and do other tasks in their life, which then re reduces fear and, and catastrophizing. And that can then potentially affect the pain experience. So this stuff is like really complicated. Like I like I'm not claiming that I understand <laughs> the pain properly at all because I don't think I don't know anyone that does really. Um, but there you go. They're the sorts of things you should be thinking about when it comes to that. Your sec second part of your question was if people who have real issues, yeah, <laughs> quote unquote real issues. Okay, I suppose for, like firstly, I, I think I think the the, the dichotomy between what is a real issue and what is not a real issue is something that can be problematic at times because very often what people hear when when people are describing, let's say, medically like undescribed symptoms. Um, what people hear is that you're saying that it, it is all in their head, okay? That 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 it's not a real issue, whereas it is a very real experience for that person. And I suppose like that, that's something that requires about five podcasts to try and tease apart that whole like in your head versus in your body and like Rene Descartes and mind body dualism and and, and philosophies about the body over time, like all that stuff. It's a whole other ball game. <laughs> but basically, I suppose like that would be my starting point would be to say that you're. Like the idea of something being in your head and in your body is a problem full stop, as is the idea of something being a real problem or not a real problem. Because like you could have like low back pain that is the result of a tumor or you could have low back pain that is non-specific. Okay. Just, just by the way, like not to alarm you, like that's very, 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 very unlikely. 90 to 99% percent of cases of low back pain are non-specific okay so you don't have to be like oh shit triage that i have a tumor you know <laughs> unlikely <laughs> but you know that, that could be the case or it could be that you have non-specific low back pain meaning there's no clear identifiable cause that that we can see um but in either case the experience itself is still very real to you and that is the case with persistent pain as well Okay, just because you do not have a muscle tear or a broken bone does not mean that your, your pain is not real. It is absolutely real. It's just that the conventional understanding of pain as being a thing as opposed to some sort of experience is what causes the dichotomy between real and not real. So that's our starting point. But then to kind of get to like the specific point that you made, like th there, are, there can be like real, if you want to use that word, and like actual identifiable pathologies that lead to you having pain or discomfort in a certain position. Like for example, if someone has like a, a glute knee tendinopathy, so you've got like a tendinopathy at the, at the side of your hip. Okay. And on the, on the outside of your hip, if you were to lie sideways in your bed when you're sleeping in a certain posture where let's say like, you know, when you lie sideways and one leg is in front of the other and it kind of hangs down, you know, like that gen people generally lie like that that then, you know, puts a bit of compression on that tendon or on the, on the, the bursa, if that's the problem or whatever. Um, and that position is provocative for that person. It, it's a genuinely provocative pr uh, position 
for very clear reasons that you could identify based on anatomy, the tissues, and the, the biomechanics of that position. So like these things exist for sure. And in that case, the modification, symptom modification would come from changing posture, which would be like, let's say, putting a pillow between the legs and not allowing the legs to cross, then relieve compression. Another, another one might be, you know, something like a, and a high hamstring tendinopathy. So where someone has like a tendinopathy of the, the top of the, the top of the hamstring. So if you were to sit on that and compress it, it would it can be uncomfortable for some people. So in that case, again, you're trying to change your posture to change the compression. And it might be the case that you're moving out of that position. It also applies to the spine. You know, some people, especially elderly people with osteoporosis, they could get like compression fractures of their vertebrae. And in that case, it might be that, you know, they're wearing a brace or certain positions are more or less comfortable. So again, it's a very clear example of where posture is relevant to this person's like actual issue. So don't be fooled. We're not just saying that it's totally irrelevant. It's context specific for sure. But what we are saying is that for healthy people like without like specific pathologies that really need to be minded it's very unlikely the posture is something you need to worry about in your day-to-day -day life or something that you need to specifically program for like posture is important in some cases like for example it can help your performance all right like it's not clear that some rounding in the back in a deadlift is inherently injurious it's not that like that's not clear that your your spine is just gonna like shoot like uh, shoot your nucleus pulposus across the room like a jelly donut like we said earlier like that, that's not that's not the case however generally maintaining a straighter spine is good for performance because you, if you if you have a totally rounded back and you look like a dog that's taking a dump that's just not a good position for performance and and people know that so again posture can be important for performance and as we said if it's more comfortable to maintain one position over another even for a certain period of time or it modifies your current symptoms, then again, I think it's very reasonable for someone to try and to try and change that. Like it's not the case that we're becoming total like movement nihilists and we're just gonna say, oh, so it hurts to flex your spine, then you better sit like with your head on your knees, like maximize that flexion, bro. Get uncomfortable. That's not the case. Okay. You can you can feel comfortable modifying your symptoms and sitting in ways that are more comfortable to you. But I would always, if someone felt like that, I would always really put the emphasis then on reinforcing the idea that just because this is more comfortable now doesn't mean the other position is bad. And it could just be the case that we modify symptoms in the short term and we then, we then get you back doing that thing. And this relates like to, to much wider concepts. You've all experienced this where, like, let's say you do have knee pain. Like you can squat in a, in a way that you don't let your knees go over your toes and you have a more quote unquote hip dominant squat and that'll modify your symptoms in the short term. To conclude that, that squatting with knees over your toes is bad for your knees would be a false conclusion in that case because it was just a, a means of symptom modification. It doesn't mean that we never go back to squatting with your knees over your toes because that would be the goal. So again, in that case, you would reinforce it by saying, all right, we're just going to change your squat in the short term. This feels more comfortable, but eventually we want to get back to the, that other position because that's not necessarily harmful. So, so yeah, um, one thing to kind of, I guess, like wrap this up before we do start to conclude is all of this stuff. And like, we're, we're undoubtedly going to touch on this again as it relates to other topics, but this is all essentially part of trying to, I guess, break down or question and criticize the sort of, 
Like there's two names for it, like the postural, structural, biomechanical model of physiotherapy or the kinesiopathological model of physiotherapy. Basically, what that means is that like the whole idea of, of physiotherapy and manual therapies for a long time as it relates to injury and pain has been that the human body is just this basic mechanical system and that pain is a very simple response to tissue damage that, that is the result of wear and tear from multiple different things and and the causal factors that people focus on have changed over time so they could be postural abnormalities like let's say someone has a scoliosis or lordosis of the spine like which is a big curve like a certain pelvic position like leg length discrepancies and then some people will focus more on muscular things like tight hamstrings weak multifidus or and some people will then focus on, on, on like a wider kinetic chain idea so things like fascial systems for example you'll see some people talk about that and then even down to like neuromechanical concepts so concepts related to the, the actual nervous system as it relates to the muscles like differences in timing between one side of the quads versus the other so like basically what what, what you're doing is like throwing enough like shit at the wall and seeing what at what sticks or seeing what sticks so it's like all right it's the posture stuff Oh, actually, it's the muscular stuff. Oh, actually, it's the newer mechanical stuff. Actually, no, it's all the fascia. So you're just you're just taking a different scapegoat every time, all under this one model that tries to oversimplify experience, human experiences within like a biological system, as opposed to a very simple machine view of the human. So, so there you go. And the worst thing, the worst thing about it is, they're not actually wrong, right? As in, like. They are still following the scientific method to, to some extent. And as we've said, there is obviously this spectrum of things that could potentially be going quote unquote wrong. And, you know, maybe it is because your muscles aren't firing in a correct manner. You know, you can train that, you know, maybe you are like, you're trying to bench press and you're just putting all the tension up to your shoulders. The shoulders are taking over just for example, and that's causing shoulder pain. And then we go, okay, let's actually ingrain a better, bench pressing pattern and oh my god all of a sudden your shoulder pain goes away so you might have the, the people that are saying it's a neurological maybe like oh see it's just you know how your nervous system activates your, your muscles that's 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 the, the the reason for pain and again you might have someone who goes again oh my my shoulders are in pain uh and i do a lot of bench press but i don't do many rows right and you might go okay cool it's a muscular imbalance let's like they're saying their shoulders are in pain, they're like, let's do some rows. And then you do some rows, they they strengthen up their their pulling musculature, you know, we'll just say the rhomboids specifically, and they go, oh, actually, my, my shoulder pain went away, right? So again, these people aren't wrong. They then go like, okay, cool, that's my methodology validated, awesome, right? Same with uh, the, the, the posture people, you go like, okay, I have a pain when I sit in this posture and then they go, okay, don't sit in that posture, sit in this posture and all of a sudden your pain goes away. So you go, yes, okay, that method is validated, right? So, you know, we modified posture and pain went away. So clearly it's all posture, right? But there's clearly an overriding principle that is causing all of these things to work and it is the, the, the human experience right? Like you're literally giving someone a solution so that they can be more self or you're giving someone a way to be more self efficacious, whatever you're giving, you're giving someone the ability to cure themselves, quote unquote, cure themselves. 
right? Like you're literally just showing them a path, you know? So it's like the, the, the pathway itself doesn't necessarily matter. It's the fact that you're actually giving someone the ability to do something about their pain. And as a result, they're like, okay, cool. I'm actually doing something about my pain and their pain lessons. Would you agree? Yeah, and I think like like the thing that you pointed out essentially is that like things work, but the problem is not the problem is not the prescription that people are actually giving. The problem is the over certain rationale. Like we're saying that it worked, and then we're like, oh yeah, that's cool, yeah, it worked. But then they're like, oh, it worked because of this. It was the fascial system. It's like, ah, why did you have to ruin it? You know, it's like you had a good outcome. Like, why did you have to ruin it by telling the person that? Um, like, like that's the problem. It's it's just it's just the desire for certainty where like certainty just doesn't exist, you know, like, and it, I guess like one of the things that I would take away from like my own physiotherapy education is that, like, it's like, just be uncertain and that's fine. Like you, you're allowed to be uncertain and you're allowed to, to kind of look at things in terms of their outcomes and like, and, and consider the fact that, all right, I mightn't be a hundred percent clear in my rationale for why this actually worked. Like, I think that is, that is important. And one of the beautiful things about exercise is that you don't actually have to, create this perfect reason for why like a treatment worked to justify it because regardless of whether it is the changes in the fascia or changes in neuromuscular timing by providing someone with an exercise intervention there are specifics other than the pain reduction effects and i think that is so important and that for me is the future of physiotherapy it's about like stop looking at pain as the only outcome measure because it's, it's just futile because we know like countless things can change pain. People can improve their pain from using an unplugged ultrasound machine. The machine isn't even plugged in and people still have improvements in pain. Like people can have improvements in pain from differences in the way someone speaks to them. Okay. So like when we know that the stuff is so complicated and there's so many inputs, we don't have to keep relying on pain as our only outcome measure. And for me, like the beautiful thing about exercise is that it improves people's function and it improves disability. So if people, is ha- if people are having disability, which is related to their shoulder pain, then let's focus on the actual like, disability and the ability of exercise to improve function over time. If pain improves, great, but we're not, just, we're not putting all our eggs in that basket about it being about pain, because that to me is where we run into problems. And within like, the physiotherapy community, like people, some of you won't have been exposed to this, but there is this total false dichotomy between the pain science people and the biomechanics people and and it's actually one of my pet peeves because like like pain science this stuff that we're talking about like this is not like a pain science intervention like we're just discussing some of the things that might or might not affect someone's pain um in this case we're not discrediting biomechanics because very often what people talk about when they're talking about biomechanics is not biomechanics Okay, like biomechanics is like a, a, a branch of, of physics, you know, it's, it's, it's mathematical in nature, it's, it's very analytical, it's not prescriptive, like biomechanics is all about, you know, looking at the kinematics or kinetics of a system, of a position, of a sporting activity without judgment, okay, you, like biomechanists don't look at things and conclude that, oh, that is bad for someone's pain like they don't do that they will talk about the forces that are applied somewhere and like that's what biomechanics truly is and i'm really interested in that subject but you're also allowed to be interested in pain science because the two like it's not dichotomous so like that that to me is really important um and i suppose like the other thing is that 
you can have an appreciation for applied biomechanics as it might relate to movement. Like for example, the someone going into valgus, let's say their knee coming in during an activity. All right. Like what, some, what someone with a quote unquote, like biomechanical perspective as it relates to physio would say is that, or the, you know, the, the, the moments, the knee adduction moment that's taking place at the, at the knee is this is leading to the person's pain. But very often what you actually, what you actually see then is after the exercise variation or the exercise intervention, it changes in like having actually taken place in their mechanics as in they might be like free of their pain, let's say, but their mechanics haven't actually changed. So to look at it purely through a mechanical lens is false. Just like saying that biomechanics is irrelevant is false. Both are wrong. If you say biomechanics and biology doesn't matter, that's dumb. If you say that like psychological and social variables don't matter, then that's dumb too. You know, we're human. You, you can't. <laughs> you can't just you can't just separate these things. It doesn't make any sense because you're a human. Like you got to deal with it all. That's that's very fair, Gary. Um, so to kind of wrap this up. Would we be right in saying that if you just got strong and by strong, I mean confident in all the positions you are exposed to in your daily life, you may experience some pain, but you won't be in pain. You won't be a slave to pain. You know, would that be a a prescription you could get down with? Just be confident in your ability to move. Be confident that you're not going to break if you slouch in your chair and just move a little bit more, be confident in the, your ability of your body to move. Would that be a, a fair enough prescription for everyone to go away with thinking? Yep. I would agree with that. And I'd also say that, you know, if you do experience pain when you're sitting down, you know, my left, my left lower back is kind of a little bit like, Hey Gary, like, are we going to move? Like, it's a bit like that now. And that's fine. You know, I think, I think taking away that message of like hurt does not equal harm is so powerful. Like I genuinely like that, that can, that can like change the life, the lives of some people who have lived their whole lives thinking that every time they have pain, they need to avoid it. You know, it's this overemphasis on avoidance and the history of that, like goes back along a like a long time. Like why have we started avoiding pain? And you know, a lot of it is the case that, almost like you could just take your grandfather's advice on this. Like if you, if you told your grandfather that, Oh yeah, granddad, my, my back feels a little bit stiff after sitting, like what's he going to say? And I seem like, you're fine. Like that's fine. Like get on with it. You know, <laughs> like that's realistically what someone would say. If I told either of my granddads that they'd beat me to death. <laughs> there you go. Even better. <laughs> but yeah, be better like, to be dead. <laughs> But yeah, like it's 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 not it's not us just saying either like don't complain, your experiences are invalid, no emotions. <laughs> like, but there is a hint of that. Okay, there is a hint of that to a degree, as in like on a personal level, that's that would be what I would almost say to myself. However, I wouldn't say that to someone else because other people are different le- different temperaments and stuff. But but there you go, you know, don't worry about it, don't stress about it. Pain is going to happen, it's part of human life. Most of us are going to have back pain at some time, and most of the time that's going to be non-specific and not a problem, not something that requires even like specific intervention, to be honest. But you know, live an active lifestyle, try and be strong, try and be fit, try and get enough sleep, eat good food, you know, manage your body composition, like all that stuff. Like it's really powerful stuff. 
yeah, and just related to this, to kind of give uh, an example, like one of my clients had shoulder surgery. It doesn't actually matter which, what kind of shoulder surgery, but he had shoulder surgery on actually both of his shoulders. Okay. So he was then always fearful of putting his arms overhead. Like that was just a no go position for him. Right. Like say doing a dumbbell shoulder press, like obviously people watching, they can see like this was literally as far as he would go. Right. Like as soon as they went over, he'd be like, no, I'm in pain. Right. So Dealing with that, like, obviously you don't just go, right, just fucking get under the squat rack. You know, we're going to do some fucking OHP. Um, you know, like that's obviously not what you're going to do with that individual. That's the kind of the drill instructor that Gary's saying, like, oh, just fucking get on with it. It's too easy. You know, like that's obviously not what we're saying, right? So that's not the approach you take, right? What you, the approach well, we took in, in that certain uh, with that certain client was like, okay, let's see what ranges do we have available to us. And like he, he, he wanted to get back to being somewhat confident in his ability to move his body. So I think that's obviously the, the best starting point that you have to kind of come to the intervention with that starting point. Like you can't come to the intervention and think I am crippled forever you know, there's nothing. This person is just fucking lying to me. They they can't help at all. Like if you come to that from that kind of, we'll say negative place, like, yes, we might get some results. And I mean, we, that's just a, the we, as in the general we, we might get some results, but it's going to be a lot less effective than if you come to this going, okay, I'm going to accept that they're, the person helping me has my best interests at heart and they are genuinely trying to get me to be more efficacious in my movements. Right. But anyway, back to that individual, like all we did, he was like incline uh, dumbbell or incline dumbbell bench press. Right. It was like, okay, let's see what we can do. And for him at the time it was like, okay, we've got 30 degree angle and that was it. He had full control, full confidence in his shoulders. He was like, Yes, there was a little bit of like, you know, uh, we'll say lack of neurological control. Like he didn't, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't firing everything exactly as you would want, right? That's fine. Literally all we did was like, okay, we're just going to stick with that. We're going to build up some confidence, some strength there. Stuck with that six, eight weeks. And he was like, yeah, I feel really confident with that. And I was like, okay, let's, let's see. Can we, can we bring this, the, the incline bench up a little bit? And it was like, yeah, okay, cool. Again, he still had a little bit of, lack of a neurological control, whatever the fuck you want to call it. You know, he was like, oh shit. He's like, oh, my, my shoulders, they're feeling a little bit unstable. And I was like, that's fine. Again, we're not excessively loading. We're not going to failure. We're not doing whatever. And again, long story short, we slowly built up the angle till he was, again, he's still still quite far back. But in my mind, I was like, that's, that's a kind of acceptable shoulder range of motion. Like, yes, it's not a completely standing upright, overhead position and everything is straight from his fucking hands down to the base of his spine like that's <laughs> we weren't weren't in that position but in doing so and obviously we were doing other things as well uh, in doing so it was like you actually now can go out and he had no problem like he still didn't quite have the, the full we'll say lockout of the shoulders but he had no problem putting his arms overhead he was able to go back playing uh, gap which is which is what he wanted to do and the it was that. That's all we did. Literally nothing excessive. Yes, he didn't have, quote unquote, full recovery of his shoulders. 
But all we did over a number of months was allow him to feel more confident in his ability to put his arms overhead. You know, and so in my mind, that's how you deal with these things. You just take it at the slowest pace that you need to take it at, and you just build up the strength at whatever level your body is willing to build up the strength. Is that uh, the the perfect solution for your pain, your your issues? Maybe, maybe not. But I think that kind of is a good way to think about these things. Expose yourself to something that's a little bit challenging but doable and then keep doing that until you are at your maximum ability. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Like as as I don't know where Sotak gets it from, but he always says, you know, strength is never weakness. And and that's kind of the way I, I look at these things in terms of like whether or not exercise improves your outcomes as it relates to pain. It's like you've gotten stronger and fitter. So like it's a bonus regardless. So, so there you go. Like, and then in the case of your client, you were able to improve function in that case. And that's probably like the most important thing, you know? So there you go. Like I, I think function is, is something that people totally underrate. Like my, my dad currently has a bit of shoulder pain, but like the, the pain is not as much of a problem as the fact that he can only get up to like 130, 140 degrees of shoulder flexion. Cause like that's annoying like in his job he wants to be able to reach for things and he can't do it anymore so he's like all right Gary we kind of need I'd like to improve this so you know you get stronger you improve function you you say all right this is something you struggle with so let's work on it boom and you build not only the strength not only the fitness but also the self-efficacy that comes with that and that's that's powerful man and that, that that's the too easy mindset like in in a fleshed out more academic way of saying it like it's, it's just the too easy mindset that's what it's about Literally just expose yourself to that little bit of challenge, adapt to that challenge, and then become awesome. Is that it? That's pretty much like, you know. Also, I would like to clarify as well that strength can in fact be a weakness because I have Viking's disease, which literally means my, <laughs> my finger, or rather the tendon, is too strong and it's fucking up my life. But anyway. Just saying, strength can be a weakness, but in most cases, it is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have anything Alrighty. else to add? No? Nope, nothing else to add. Hope you enjoyed it, guys. Drop a comment below if you're watching this on YouTube. Let us know what you thought. You know, obviously, share this if possible. It'd be fantastic. It helps us out a lot. That includes like leaving a review on iTunes or whatever. Really helpful. We want to climb the charts so the more people can get this information. So help us reach that goal. I think the best way to do it is just, you know, put it on your Instagram and tag us in it because then loads more people Literally. see. It's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have nothing else to add. So peace. <laughs>